3: some NFL news and notes as we welcome you to hour number two live right here on this Wednesday on the early line on Sports Grid. He is Donnie Wrightside. I am Ben Stevens. Still two more hours to go up until 11 a.m. Eastern time. Donnie, one of the great things about NFL Combine Week, regardless of how you feel about the measurables and the measurements and the workouts in Indianapolis, is we get to hear from the movers and shakers around the National Football League Really for the first time since the end of a season. And for those teams drafting early in the opening round, that could have been way back at the beginning of January. We are starting to get those news and notes and interviews and press clippings and tidbits out of Indianapolis as Combine Week is underway.
4: Yeah, that's the best part about it, because you're right. We haven't heard from a lot of these coaches and we're GMs. We want to get those questions answered. And quite frankly, it's usually the local media that shows up in droves to ask the local GM and also the local yeah. coach what they think is going to happen in the season. But also, you get that national media shots here because we're really interested and vested in what the Chicago Bears do. And we might have some early answers here, Ben, on what they're probably going to do now.
3: The Chicago Bears control a good portion of this Mm offseason with the ton of cap space they have made even better by the 30 million dollar increase in cap room and that salary cap number around the National Football League and of course the number one overall pick of the 2024 NFL Draft. We welcome in our sports grid radio audience here. Hour number two of the early line right here all across the sports grid network sirius xm channel 159 all of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well he is donnie Wrightside. side i am ben stevens so we heard from chicago's general manager ryan poles yesterday asked about the direction of the franchise what they were going to do with that number one overall selection and what it might mean for the future of justin fields In Chicago, Ryan Poles saying this pretty much to the idea that if the team decides to take a quarterback with that first overall pick, they will look to get rid of Justin Fields before free agency begins. He doesn't think that being Ryan Poles, it would be right not to trade Justin Fields before free agency begins in just over a month.
4: Yeah, come on now. He what are we going to do? Hold out, not do this deal, then draft a the quarterback. One and be like, Hey, who wants fields? And everybody laughs at you around the NFL. Is like, yeah, I'll give you a fifth rounder because you know he's not going to be on your roster this year. But also, some other tidbits that I picked up, which I can't stand how this plays out, where they try to be the nice guy organization. Step by step, yeah. we're going to be with Justin Fields. We're going to be on the phone with them daily, giving him updates, and we're going to do right by him. Let me tell you something right now. If the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Ben, called up and said, we'll somehow get you three first-round draft picks, in the NFL, you'll send Justin Fields to Saskatchewan, whether he likes it or not, because you are the general manager of the Chicago Bears, not the general manager of what happens to Justin Fields outside of the Chicago Bears. Stop this nonsense yeah. that we're being real nice. No, the best deal, will get this done, whether he wants to go to, let you say, the Carolina Panthers, the Las Vegas Raiders, or whoever, that's the deal you have to make. Don't be nice and say, where would you like to go? Even if it's a bad deal for the Bears, we want to be respectful. Knock it off.
3: Yeah, so I would agree with everything you just said right there. Ryan Poles has a duty to the Chicago Bears, not necessarily Justin Fields. But I think when it comes down to the overall trade value for Fields, Ryan Poles is trying to get an idea of what the market looks like. I also read between the tea leaves, and not necessarily for the nice guy act or to be fair to Fields or any of that. I think even the phrasing of the question and the answer from Ryan Poles gives us a general idea of which we all expect Justin Fields and the Bears are going to part ways. That Ryan Poles and the Bears are going to hold on to that number one overall selection and more than likely take Caleb Williams with that first overall pick. Donnie, I ask you this. What do you think the Bears are going to get in return for Justin Fields? Do you think it might be a first-round pick back to Chicago? Would it be a second or a third-round pick and a couple other late-round draft selections. What do you think that trade package looks like for whatever team has interest in making Justin Fields their new starting quarterback?
4: Look, he's worthy of a first round pick. Look around the NFL and you say to yourself, do you feel that he's a top 20 quarterback in the NFL right now? I do, which means that he should be worthy of a first rounder. But also, you have to look at it like this. He doesn't have a contract that he signed, let's just say, two years ago. And all that front loaded money is already out the door and you're getting a bargain on, let's just say, two years before you have to make a decision. You're trading Justin Fields before a number one pick, getting him back. And he's not going to be like, hey, let me prove myself here. Like, no, Ben. You're making this move because you think he's going to be your franchise guy, and then he wants to be paid accordingly. So if you're going to give up a first-round draft pick and then at least – $40 $40 million per year on average, that's the kicker here. But I do think what we've seen so many times here, been over the last couple of years, which I think works well for both of these teams. Hey, you know what? We'll give you two for Justin Fields. He pays 75% of the snaps for my team. We'll elevate that to a number one. If he makes the Super Bowl, then it's maybe a future number two year because that way both teams win. It's like, man, that's a terrible deal. What? You just won a Super Bowl Fields and you're upset. You give another second round pick over yeah. to the Chicago Bears. No, you don't. So I do think eventually he is going to get a first-round draft pick. I just don't know if that compensation will be guaranteed a one. I think it'll be the escalation of we'll give you two and a three. If he plays well, plays a certain amount of snaps, it turns into a one-year Ben. I think that's fair.
3: Yeah, so that's really kind of where I go as well, DRS, where you look at what Justin Fields could get on that trade market. I think it's probably going to be either a conditional first-round pick if he plays a certain amount of snaps or starts a certain amount of games for his new team. It could become a first-round pick. I think it more looks like a second-rounder and a couple of late-round draft selections back to Chicago as well. And let me just say this. Justin Fields will garner interest around the National Football League. I believe the Bears will get some sort of large return for Justin Fields. Speaking of other quarterbacks and their futures with a specific franchise, Sean Payton met with the media yesterday in Indianapolis and said a decision on quarterback Russell Wilson's future with the team will come, quote, within the next two weeks. He is going to be gone. It's just a matter of if you can trade him, which I don't think happens given the high contract that Russell Wilson carries with him. I think he's going to be released and Denver is going to lie in the bed they made and take a dead cap hit.
4: Uh, Deshaun Watson got signed by Cleveland here as the worst contract that we've ever seen in the history of probably professional sports the way it's turned out. It's a new number one here, Ben. You know that is? It's Russell Wilson. So how could that be? Because yeah. Deshaun Watson is still aiming to be the starting quarterback of the Browns, and they want him back next year. The fact that Russell Wilson came from Seattle here, signed that mega massive extension, and basically a year into it, the team is like he can't play, and oh yeah, the head coach hates him here. There's no way when they say, like oh, it's going to be two weeks, we'll, we'll find out. No, no. He is gone, and that is a massive waste of cap space here that they got absolutely nothing out of when we were probably thinking yeah. maybe that was the missing piece on deep playoff runs and knocking off the Kansas City Chiefs out there in the AFC West what a disaster but Russ will have himself a new home shortly
3: disaster in Denver we'll talk about where <laughs> Russell Wilson goes and other news around the National Football League up next live right here on the early line More NFL news and notes as Combine Week is underway in Indianapolis. And it's not just players working out that we care about in shorts and shirts. It's the NFL offseason really starting to take up in the early stages of this National Football League calendar. Because intermixed with the Combine, you get to hear from coaches and GMs and front office executives that are not just asked about, hey, who are you looking to draft? Who's that positional need that you value most? It's also just questions about what happened in your season, what is happening moving forward, and what roster moves you are making, including during this time, DRS, Six more days to go in the franchise tag window until next Tuesday, Thursday, March 5th, at 4 p.m. Eastern time to place that franchise tag on a player in your organization if that individual is an eligible candidate. And we had some thoughts last week on who the Chiefs might look to place the franchise tag on. The Chiefs have now informed Legereus Sneed they are prepared to use the franchise tag And are open to starting trade talks if no long-term deal is reached. Sneed, according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, is agreeable to this scenario, giving him the opportunity to try and negotiate a long-term deal with KC.
4: Yeah, you take a look at the NFL landscape, right? We're up $30 million in cap space. That is money to a lot of these players' ears coming up on free agency, particularly the younger ones looking to make that first splash into the market. And if you do take a look here at Veach, Kansas City, and also Andy Reid, it's a great problem to have. Like, hey, well, I don't know if we could pay this cornerback. Why? Because we have another unbelievable cornerback, and we have a great defensive lineman who we want to keep there, in Chris Jones as well. This is just the business here, and it's smart business. Because what are you going to do? Not place the tag on him here and then risk him the free agency where you get like a third-round compensatory pick back for the guy, that's not going to work out well. So it's smart for them to say, okay, we'll put that first-round tag moniker. If you don't feel like you're getting the necessary dollars that you want, go ahead and try to work out a trade. Pick five or six teams. If they all yeah. agree to give us one, one first-round pick, and you want to go to a certain team here, we'll let you make that decision. But you're not going to leave town without us getting compensation back. It's a smart business move. And also, if we say that $30 million in cap space does go higher, the reason why you're saying, like, what is this? Why are you even fighting with Legarius Need? Just sign him to whatever yeah. he wants. He's a key part of your future. Well, your defensive tackle is about to cost as much as a quarterback on a year-to-year right. basis, which the Chiefs have already said with Jones that they want to resign. You can't sign everybody to, you know, bank-breaking dollars, and that's what's going to happen yep. here. Steed will probably move on, but they'll get compensated.
3: And the big cap hits of Patrick Mahomes' contract are starting to hit as well where it was easier to pay everybody when he was still under his rookie deal that's the crazy thing about patrick mahomes who has been a starter for six years seven years in the league his rookie deal wasn't done until a couple of seasons ago even in the midst of this dynastic run for kansas city we'll see what the needs future is with KC, but it is important to note as well if you are placed under the franchise tag even if teams do not place the franchise tag on you like those five notable running backs that we went through yesterday, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, and Austin Eckler. Even if you're about to become a free agent or under the tag, you still have this time to negotiate a new contract extension, whatever those figures and years look like between you and your respective NFL club or seek trade opportunities around the National Football League as well. Tom Telesco, the former Chargers general manager for the last decade plus, now the new GM in Las Vegas for the Raiders, familiar with the AFC West, so familiar with his roster, reminded people yesterday in Indianapolis when asked about Devontae Adams' future as a Las Vegas Raider, that he is staying in the desert. Tom Telesco saying simply, he's a Raider. Do you expect Devontae Adams to be playing in Las Vegas in 2024? I do. Wide
4: receivers of that talent are really hard to come by. And also, Ben, as we talk about, again, this is sort of big news. That $30 million cap-raising hit, you now look at that monster contract that Devontae Adams has, you go, man, we got this guy for an absolute bargain. Why would we trade him and then go to sign another wide receiver who's going to cost maybe even more than Devontae Adams and actually won't be as good because that's the salary cap era that we're living in right now? And also – What is Tom Telesco supposed to say at the combine? Hey, by the way, what do you think about Devontae Adams? Eh, You know, he wants to leave. He can leave and we'll accommodate him. No, you don't want to make your superstar players very angry in the building. Because the minute you say, well, I don't know if he's going to be a Raider, Devontae Adams gets on the phone with his agent and goes, all right, two things are going to happen here. You're going to call Tom Telesco tomorrow morning and demand that I'm the highest paid wide receiver in football and or I'm out of town. He has to say this. And yes, you do want Devontae Adams to be a Raider for the general manager. He makes your team better come on
3: are the Vikings entertaining a trade Mm. for Justin Jefferson that is not something that has caught, once crossed anybody's mind, including general manager Quesay Adolfo Mensa, who is the GM in Minnesota for the last two to three years. I don't know why they would. It's not a full blown rebuild in Minneapolis. Interesting there, as they will probably make Justin Jefferson not just a Viking for a long time, but the highest paid wide receiver in the history of the National Football League. Will Kirk Cousins be the one throwing him the football? That's a different story because other news for the Vikings yesterday, DRS, not just this Mm -hmm. quote from the GM in Minneapolis for Justin Jefferson, but also the hiring of Josh McCown as their quarterback's coach. Minnesota, who has the 11th overall pick in the 2024 NFL draft, I believe is going to select a quarterback in the first round.
4: And also, let's get back to you know Justin Jefferson, what the general manager said. Now, granted, we do like to play a game of poker here that says, you know what, it's a great wide receiver, love to have him back. I actually appreciate the general manager going like, He's the best young wide receiver in football. The salary cap is moving up. We will pay him accordingly here. What that price is going to finally be, we don't know. But also, you send a message to Justin Jefferson that doesn't get him angry right away and goes, well, we can always keep you and you can play under your final year and then we can tag you here and just make him so upset. You have the money to spend. He's worth spending it on and they will spend it at that time. And also, if you are Justin Jefferson, you're probably also picking up the phone Go. going, you know what? I want all this money but you better get me a quarterback that I can play with. I don't know if I'm the 11th overall pick trading up to the ninth year to get a rookie quarterback, and that's going to work out really well for me. You tell me right now, you sit in the room and you ask Justin Jefferson, what would you rather have, the young kid coming in or Kirk Cousins that will throw you the football so you can break records on a year-to-year basis like you have been doing? He's going to choose Kirk Cousins here. I think they both come back with big money contracts and are happy to be in Minnesota.
3: Listen, Kirk Cousins is going to get his money, regardless of how you feel about his overall ceiling and where he elevates a specific NFL franchise. And regardless of the fact that the guy in his mid-30s is coming off a torn Achilles just a season ago. Speaking of quarterbacks. How about this banger of a quote from new Falcons head coach Raheem Morris yesterday in Indianapolis? The Falcons head coach Raheem Morris stating the obvious, but he was very transparent with the media. If the Falcons had better quarterback play a season ago, I may not be standing here is what Raheem Morris had to say. And although it is honest, I think it is very fair. It is fair. And also, look, man, the
4: NFL is one of the toughest sports to break into, particularly if you're a quarterback. The weight of the world is on your shoulders. But when you're a young guy like Desmond Ritter and the new head coach comes in, it's like, man, I'm only here because we sucked at quarterback last year. That's a tough scene. Same thing for Taylor yeah. Heineke, which also leads us to believe They are in the market for getting either a veteran quarterback or moving up in the draft and taking the quarterback, which means Justin Fields might be that perfect landing spot down there for the Falcons. I love the honesty. It feels good, and it's refreshing here, Ben.
3: It is very refreshing. And again, it is fair and correct. What Raheem Morris said yesterday was not wrong. There was a lot of people, Donnie, that believed the Falcons with an eight and a half win total, the over having the juice, were going to make good on that number and contend for the NFC South. They were really kind of charting that way into the final month of the regular season. But what held them back? was quarterback play all year long Desmond Ritter to Taylor Heineke to Desmond Ritter again to Taylor Heineke again it was one of the reasons I had no belief in the Dirty Birds this year despite the rest of the offensive talent around the QB spot so who is that quarterback of the future going to be the Falcons draft eighth overall in the opening round of the 2024
1: NFL draft more football conversation next here on the early line
3: Live right here on this Wednesday on the early line on sports grid. I am Ben Stevens. Donnie Wrightside is here, and Mark Zino now joins us as the man in the middle. Mark Zino back in Atlanta. He knows the Falcons very well. He covers the Atlanta Falcons during an NFL season, and Zino, as the early portion of the offseason around the National Football League is now underway. With Combine Week in Indianapolis giving us a chance to hear from head coaches and GMs and front office executives throughout the National Football League, we got some spicy words yesterday out of the Falcons' new head coach, Enraheem Morris. We're glad to have your assessment here on this Wednesday.
6: Well, thank you guys for having me as always. And Ra is a spicy guy. There's no doubt about that. He certainly got a lot of energy. and Ooh. He was not wrong in anything he said, but also... Hi, it's something I said for the last three months of the NFL season. This is not news to anybody who's been paying remotely attention to it. And it should not even be news to Desmond Ritter on how bad he sucked last year. He was well aware of it. So nobody should be caught off guard by these comments. He's 100% right. If Desmond Ritter holds on to the ball in three games last year, like all three times he turned it over just like once, the Falcons win three more games they make the playoffs and Arthur Smith is still here having a job. Which is where he should be. Shame on the Falcons. But that's a whole different conversation. That said, you know, uh, Raheem is right. He's taking over right now because they had bad quarterback play. How they're going to choose to address it, they've been very close to the vest on it. Uh, it would be rather interesting to me, and it is rather interesting, that the two places that Justin Fields is rumored to most likely go are the Falcons and Pittsburgh. The Falcons, with the GM who passed him over. And the Steelers with the OC, then head coach, who passed them over. So I go back to what I've always said. If you are Terry Fontenot and you didn't ask the girl to the prom, why would you ask her to marry you?
4: That's a good question you bring up here, Mark, because also you put into the equation the eighth overall pick this year. Last year, they had the eighth overall pick, went running back. Now, of course, they're looking quarterback. It's going to be interesting to see which way they actually go. So in your mind here, if Justin Fields is available, now look, they're not trading the eighth overall pick to get Justin Fields. It'll be something second round pick, third round pick with some escalators Mm -hmm. involved. But if you're running the Falcons, do you go veteran, Allah, la let you say, I'm going to take a run at Kirk Cousins, or I'm going to take a run at trading for Justin Fields, or do you go to the draft and say, I got a lot of young pieces here, now's the time to get that young quarterback to grow with everybody?
6: Well, you want to talk about a level of consistency, DRS, the Falcons are now the eight pick, not one, not two, but three years in a row. I mean, it's really <laughs> tough, that mediocre, three years straight and do it the way they have, so credit to them. Um, look, I... I think they want to go with a veteran. I think it makes sense for them organizationally to do so. Like if you are Terry Fontenot and we have to assume he was part of the decision-making process to draft Desmond Ritter. And you went to the organization, you went to Arthur Blank and said, we're going to run with a rookie here. We know that this is a one-year stopgap of Mariota. We'll, We'll run with the rookie and see what happens. To make that argument again, and risk the rookie not being able to develop quickly with the loaded offensive talent you have on this roster might be a tough sell to an owner who's grown, who has grown very, very impatient and is getting more and more involved in football operations, the exact opposite of what you want from your owner at this stage of his career. So I think they have to go veteran. I think they look to go with a guy who's already established. I don't think Justin Fields is that guy. I think they try to move heaven and earth to go get Kirk Cousins, maybe even Russell Wilson, as we'll find out here in the next two weeks, to see if he ends up available. Uh, This is a team with a lot of cap space and and has the room and flexibility to do something with a high-end-level quarterback that's a veteran. I just believe it's a really tough sell, regardless of this being a very quarterback-rich draft class, that you're going to sit there and go, we're going to run this thing back with a rookie and a young quarterback again and just hope we get it right this time.
3: Number eight overall is right in that middle ground where a reach would be possible for a J.J. McCarthy, for a Michael Penix Jr., for a Bo Nix. But is it too early? I do not believe any of the top three, kayla Williams, Jaden Daniels, nor Drake May, will fall to eighth overall. So not Justin Fields is what Mark Zitto says for the Atlanta area native in Justin Fields. Where do you think then are some potential likely landing spots for the former, or at least at this moment, current Chicago Bears quarterback?
6: I think the Raiders are an excellent fit. Um, I, I think that there is a team with a very good defense there uh, and a team that he, despite playing in a really tough division in the AFC West has enough weapons around him and sort of will fit the style of what Antonio Pierce really wants to do. I'm not sure we think Aiden O'Connell is a long-term solution uh, out in Las Vegas for the Raiders, but it seems to be that's a place that he could go. Uh, and, and you know, I mean, would it be out of the realm of possibility if the Broncos dump uh, Russell Wilson that he could end up in Denver we know Jared Stidham is not the starter there right like we know that right. they're going to go do something else at quarterback could Sean Payton get his claws into a player like Justin Fields and really make something happen that remains to be seen but you know again if Justin Fields ends up in Atlanta or Pittsburgh I would be wildly wildly surprised just given the the coaches that are in those two cities
4: also, you know, it is interesting, too, as well, Mark. You take a look at Russell Wilson, which, again, not the same quarterback we saw just a few years ago. You are going to get him extremely cheap if he is available, either by getting cut for yeah. the Denver Broncos and or just working out a restructured contract where you get him in town. Instead of paying your quarterback $40 million overall, you might get him at half of that price. And if it turns it around, that could be gold. Let's take a look at the running back position, because, quite frankly, Mark, that ain't turning around here. The salary cap goes up $30 million, and everybody around the league goes, oh, we have more money? Yeah, we're still not paying running backs saquon barkley josh jacobs tony pollard derrick henry austin eckler probably all set the brief free agents is this the future of football draft the running
6: back late use them up say goodbye to him well you don't have to draft them late you can go draft one early and, and just you know let them have their five years franchise tag them for a sixth and then let them walk like uh, i i I don't understand, other than the running backs themselves who might be a little bit butthurt over all this, I don't understand why everybody is is treating this anything other than a business transaction. It's what the NFL does year in and year out, team in and team out, day in and day out. Like, why is this bothering people? Like, all of a sudden, we Mm -hmm. have to have uh, over-the-top care and concern for running backs' emotional feelings about what their market is in the NFL world cares like I mean just show up and go to work if you don't like it then I don't know what to tell you go play a different position find a new line of work you're a commodity in the NFL like everybody else is you're just a lower paid commodity I mean you know I mean kickers you don't hear them complaining oh we're important somebody fans more somebody sure. love it you're not you all suck and I hate you all but that's either here nor there I just don't get this whole little thing about the running backs and what they're complaining about I I don't know what to tell you. You can't change the market without changing the dynamics of what goes on around you. Blame offensive coordinators, blame uh, the NFL rules committee and competition committee for skewing everything towards throwing the ball and the passing game and, and and blame offensive coaches who now want, you know, run pass option quarterbacks who can check out of every run there is and throw the ball. Like this is the game. I don't, I don't know why people are still like baffled by this.
3: I would love to see the way that Mark Zeno runs a National Football League organization. It would be cruel. It would be very stringent in terms of how things would go based on how he feels about football. He is not wrong, though, with the reality of the situation. You cannot fault the NFL organizations for not delving out big money contracts to running backs around the National Football League. The last running back that we saw sign any sort of a long-term contract extension was Nick Chubb with the Cleveland Browns a few off seasons ago. And Nick Chubb coming off the gruesome knee injury week number two against Pittsburgh might be cut with a dead cap hit. Instead of Cleveland paying him his salary for this upcoming 2024 NFL season. The running backs, although they deserve more money and that's how they feel, have really not proven that that value has been tied to their production. So Mark Zeno is down there in the South. We call him the mouth in the South throughout college football season. Mark Zeno, new markets available in the last week and a half, two weeks or so in college football. Win totals out for the reimagined landscape starting in 2024 with conference realignment coming for us all and earlier this week conference championship prices for the new power four as well including of course the sec georgia the favorite that's not overly surprising plus 185 who's got the second best number no it's not alabama it's not lsu it's Texas, Steve Sarkisian and the newcomer Longhorns second best price at 3 to 1. You seem to be laughing at that. What do you make of the order of the conference title odds in the SEC?
6: I I make of that exactly what I said on in-game live on Sunday when someone showed me the Yankees odds to win the World Series as the second best odds in all of or the American League rather than the second best odds in all of Major League Baseball. Are you kidding me? Is the public that stupid? Do you guys really think for one second Texas is going to walk into the SEC and win this thing in its first year? Stop it. Like, come on. Stop it. Uh, all deference to Arch Manning and what he may be. or even know if he's going to play or Quinn years or whatever. But stop it. Come on. That's, that's not reality. And what's more of a, a eye-popper to me about that chart, Ben and Donnie, um, you know what school wasn't there in the top ten schools? Did anybody miss the lack of the chomp, chomp, chomp there? Uh, where the hell is Florida? Like, if I'm Billy Napier and I read this, I got to start looking for a new home. I have to start looking for like a new house and, and call a real estate. Because I'm gonna be out of a job real damn soon. Is Florida that bad? Is Florida that bad that they can't even crack the top ten and SEC title odds anymore? Forget yes. the two new is coming in, but like, uh, 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 am I seeing the same thing you guys are?
3: You are seeing the same thing that both we are and. I would just say that maybe it's not so much about Florida's talent, or what they have in the roster, or their head coach and Billy Napier. It would be the overall results we haven't really seen out of the Gators in the swamp the first two years under Napier's regime, but more so the schedule. It might be the most difficult schedule I have seen at the FBS level in college football in quite some time a sign of the times in the reimagined realignment in college football
1: and the SEC. Now some college basketball. Win with Sid, up now. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
3: From college football to college basketball, as the debates and the breakdowns continue here on this Wednesday on the early line, Mark Zino joins us for a second consecutive segment. As I said, the mouth is in the South in college football, the mouth in the South for a big night in the SEC, in the SEC, excuse me, in college basketball on this Wednesday. Top 15 tilt tonight on rocky top in Knoxville. It is fourth ranked Tennessee and 11th ranked Auburn, a six and a half point number now, Zeno, in favor of the volunteers. The over stands at 151 and a half. Are you surprised to see a full six and a half points in favor of Tennessee?
6: I mean, yes, there, there are some big numbers out there tonight in college hoops across the board everywhere. Like you, yeah. you better put your waivers on the table if you want to wager some money tonight in college hoops, because especially on these favorites who are laying big numbers across the board. Now. What you have in your back pocket with Tennessee is what has trended well this year is when two ranked opponents are playing, the home team is covering them better than 65% of the time. Um, does that make me want to lay six and a half against Auburn, one of the most elite defenses in the country and one of the most efficient teams in all of America? How about no? I don't want to lay six and a half points, but you know I, I would lean towards the Auburn Tigers here and the fact that they can keep it close. I, I think that there is a certain amount of uh, urgency now that we're getting down to the final two weeks of the season you're going to start to see it and and what's interesting ben is what odds makers are telling you now over the last week plus you're paying a premium on all these favorites that are at home we've seen the dichotomy in home road splits across college hoops this year and odds makers are absolutely either going to make you pay a premium from a yep. numbers point or a price standpoint to lay the points with a favorite
4: Taking a look here at the SEC standings as well. It is a monster game tonight. Tennessee currently in a time for first place with the Alabama Crimson Tide. If we take a look at the odds market here at the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the SEC regular season, Tennessee is the favorite at a plus 105. Then you get Alabama at plus 130. Then Auburn plus 430. South Carolina, 48 to 1. There's six ranked teams currently in the SEC, all within two games of each other heading down the stretch. Does somebody catch your attention or get your eye here other than let us you say Tennessee is the favorite to win it?
6: Would it be crazy if I told you guys that Kentucky's win over Alabama and what they did last night might be the catalyst to get them going just from a pure value standpoint, they're undervalued at this point in time. Look, this Kentucky team is not great, uh, especially defensively. There's a, there's a lot of flaws with them, but when you have an offense, the way they do, uh, and the way they walked into uh, Alabama and beat them um, and, and, what they did last night on the road at Mississippi State and coming back after trailing, maybe it feels like it's the right time to buy on Kentucky right now and see if they can make a run at this thing and, and try to steal uh, the, the conference championship from from better teams in Auburn and Tennessee and everything else. I mean, everybody in the SEC has been so closely packed this year. Kentucky's got some losses yeah. they probably shouldn't have taken. It's lowered their value a little bit. I just, you know, something to watch out. I said to, I said to people last night, I wasn't playing uh mississippi state last night at home i just felt like there was a way that kentucky was going to show up for that game in ways nobody really understood and the formula of home unranked favorites got upset last night and uh kentucky looks like a play on for me going forward
3: kentucky has played 15 of its 18 SEC games now 10 and 5 they are technically only a game and a half behind Tennessee, who they end the year against to round out the regular season on the road in Knoxville. Now, Tennessee has the best prices, DRS just shared, but Tennessee's final four games in SEC regular season action, a gauntlet. Tonight at home against Auburn, Saturday that might decide the entire regular season conference championship on the road in Tuscaloosa then on the road in Columbia against Lamont Paris in the South Carolina Gamecocks, and then back at home against Kentucky. If Tennessee cashes that plus 130 number, they have earned an SEC title tied at the top currently with Alabama, who's a five and a half point road favorite in Oxford, Oxford tonight against Ole Miss. So here we have a road ranked team, Booked as the favorite, does Alabama make good on that number tonight against the running
6: reds? Everything in my being wants to say yes. I believe Alabama is going to come out and just put a whooping on Mississippi. Now, the thing about Mississippi and Ole Miss is, look, the, the regression hit this team pretty hard midway through the season, right? All those close games that they won early on that led them to a 13-0 and start, you know, uh, and, and 15-3 and overall, you know, or 18-3 and overall before they kind of really got into the meat of the SEC schedule where they lost five of their last six. So we're starting to see them come back down to earth. This is still a team that shoots the ball really well. They're top 20 in the nation in, in three-point shooting. Like, that's always going to keep you in games, which against an Alabama defense that – What's the word we're looking for here, Ben? Stinks. Uh, and is 13 out of 14 teams um, in, in, uh, in you know, defense overall and efficiency? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I hate laying this number on the road. I, I lean Alabama very much here. I would lay with them. I probably wouldn't play Ole Miss despite the fact that they're home. It's just winning on the road this year has been so difficult in college basketball
4: let flip it over to the ACC here, Louisville and Duke. Now, typically in the past, you might figure this mm. would be a monster matchup with a close line. Yeah. We open up at the FanDuel Sportsbook at a 20.5-point number, which has dipped one point down to 19.5, so a heavy favorite for Duke at Cameron tonight. A total that's listed at 151.5. Before we get to the game itself... We're still waiting on Oof. news, I guess, for Filipowski, whether or not he's nah, going he's to good. play in this game, how healthy is in this game, and also here for you, Mark. He's good. What do we think about court storming? Now, hear me out on this. <laughs> Let's just say Duke returns the favor with a 30-point win, and the crazies nah. storm the court at home, barreling into nah. Louisville players as revenge. Does it happen?
6: Donnie, if Duke ever storms the court, ever. I don't care if you just won the final four in the national championship. If Duke ever storms the court, they should burn the entire university to the ground and never speak of it again. You've got like seven national championship banners hanging in your gym. You've had the most successful college coach in history. Don't you dare ever storm the court. You know what you do when they win? Clap, turn around, walk up the steps and get the hell out of the building. That's what you do. You're Duke for crying out loud. Don't even start that lunacy whatsoever. If the crazies want to yell profanity at players, I'm all for that. You run on that court, you should be shot on sight, and I mean that. Okay, oh, I want sniper. That's that's all against. That's how, against, that's how much. I, I, yes, nobody else is on that island but me. I'm taking full responsibility. No. That said, here uh, does this feel like an overreaction line? Like, come on, we're gonna drop, we're gonna lay twenty right now with Duke. Really, this is what we're gonna do. Uh, there's no way I'm laying twenty with Duke. I understand how bad Louisville is; they're god awful. Um, they're barely a a, a power five basketball team at this point in time, but uh, this just is one of these massive overreaction lines, you know, Duke can turn around, uh, and coast this game to victory, even without Filipowski, if he decides not to play, you know, and and not have to worry about it, but there's no way I'm laying 20 points with Duke. No way.
3: So the, the injury report on Kyle Filipowski, who does not have a points prop listed for tonight has varied and altered Extremely so in the last 48 to 72 hours after the incident in Winston-Salem on Saturday evening. It was an ankle, then a knee, it was a sprain, a tweak, and now he's just a little bit sore. I would expect Kyle Filipowski to play tonight. I don't think they need him against a porous Louisville team. That if they hold on to Kenny Payne following this year, that Cardinals basketball program in Louisville once proud Man, it has fallen off in a big way. Duke a 19 and a half point home favorite tonight. They had won five straight games entering Saturday's game at Wake. They had covered in all five, under in all five as well. Their first game since becoming the talk of the sports landscape and college basketball. Not because of their great play as of late, but the court storm, the reaction to it. And everything that has been said, the conversation has gotten so out of bounds, it is just ridiculous. We don't need to take it this seriously. There are protocols that can be put into place to execute court storming safely, efficiently. And so nobody on either side is ever even put into harm's way. I do not believe Duke will storm the court tonight as a 19 and a half point favorite against Louisville. Still a top. 10 team in the country big big east battle for a couple of teams that hover around the bubble that includes providence and Zeno. since marquette was just lambasted by connecticut in hartford two weekends ago they have been on a mission they have been blowing out teams reflected in the price tonight the golden eagles in 11 and a half point home favorite against the friars is that spread too steep for your liking
6: no, it's not. Um, look, I, despite losing to UConn, uh, I think that there is an argument, and you know me, I do the same thing with college football. I think there's an argument to say that Marquette is a better team than UConn. Uh, and look, they're going to get a rematch with these guys uh, before the season is over. So they'll have a chance to to prove to them that, uh, that they're equally on the same footing as Connecticut. Providence right now is a team that is planted squarely on the bubble along with St. John's and Seton Hall. Um, They need a win like this tonight, Providence does, to be able to sort of get them that quad one win. But, you know, this is a a, a very much a a tough spot for the Friars here. And despite the fact that they've won three in a row, uh, I, I don't like them in this spot. I would certainly play Marquette first half the way that they've sprinted out uh to leads early on. Uh when you're getting a, you know, under six, if you can keep it under two possessions, I think you're in a favorable spot. But um, you know, with, with the ten and a half, it's one of those things where typically if they ain't covering early, they ain't covering late, uh, Marquette will have to get away early and sort of sprint away late in order to do this thing. I don't like the idea that that Providence will be able to keep this close for the first twenty minutes and then all of a sudden Marquette turns on the Jets in, in the second half.
4: Big 12 basketball here, Mark. Yesterday we saw the Houston Cougars Mm. freshly minted as the number one team in the nation hold off the Cincinnati Bearcats at home, which gives them a a one-and-a-half game lead here in the regular season for the Big 12 title. In second place, that's the Iowa State Cyclones, a a game-and-a-half back, which means if they win tonight, we'll be within one game of the Houston Cougars. They're going to take on Oklahoma at home. This line opened up with the FanDuel Sportsbook as an eight-and-a-half point favorite towards Iowa State. That has now seen it go up to nine-and-a-half and a a total of 136. Mm six and a half Iowa state Hilton magic tonight versus Oklahoma. What do you see?
6: Um, I, I think Oklahoma is a fade right now. Uh, they've clearly come back down to earth. Uh, they don't look like the team that they did for the beginning part of this season. That was ranked. Uh, this is a really good Iowa state defense second in the conference in, uh, defensive efficiency. Uh, I know their offense isn't great, but you know, this is an Oklahoma defense that other than the perimeter defense on the three point line, You know, they don't really present much of a challenge to to anybody else when you look at it. So uh, I just worry if Iowa State has enough offensive moxie, so to speak, for a full 40 minutes to separate by this big of a number. Probably a stay away game for me, but I would lean Iowa State and lay the points.
3: Yeah, I think that line is the way it is for a reason. Iowa State, who did beat West Virginia by seven on Saturday in Ames, did not cover as an 18-and-a-half-point favorite. But the Cyclones still the best cover team in the Big 12. 9-4-1 and one against the spread. When you look at Iowa State, they have not covered in their last two once as a dog as well. But when things stand out from Iowa State, that was a push, by the way, against Houston, according to the official consensus betting line. Regardless of where you got that, they had covered in seven of their previous eight. Mark Zinno? from the NFL to college football to college basketball. We appreciate your time on this Wednesday.
6: Thank you guys very much. Go Johnny's tonight. Let's get another win for St. John's.
3: Mm. On the road? In Hinkle? Oh, what a trap spot that's about to be. Disavow once again. We're back here on the early line in just a moment.
1: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.
7: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills.
5: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother
7: your weld is. Learn more at meta.com/slash metaverse impact.
3: We close out our second hour live right here on this Wednesday on the early line on Sports Grid and all across that SportsGrid network. That includes the Spiz Grizz app. I am Ben. He is Donnie. But the Sports Grid app is really the star of the show. You can scan that QR code on your screen. It's available for download at both the Apple and the Play Store. You'll have all of our insight and information in the palm of your hand in just a matter of moments we love hearing from the people to end out this second hour basketball is front and center here as february draws to a close and march is on the horizon not just in college hoops but in the association as well here's a question about jason tatum we'll discuss and fade the public (laughs) will jason tatum Ever win the nba mvp award he has been floated in these big picture conversations the last few weeks he plays for the nba's best and hottest team and really is not factoring in the mvp race this season he said he believes he can be the face of the association following the retirement of lebron james not many people out there in the public agreed and donnie people in the public Don't feel very optimistic about Jason Tatum going home with any MVP hardware ever. No, 67% virtually saying Jason Tatum will never win an NBA MVP award. Now, so I don't like the Celtics, so I appreciate the public
4: out here saying no to the clip of 66%. So that does make some sense and warms my heart a little bit, but I voted yes. He is going to win an MVP here. Again, we got to stop penalizing Jason Tatum for playing in a good organization, or should I say with a good, good organization and great players around him here. If the Celtics win a championship this year and play well again in the regular season next year, you know, it's going to be the MVP. It's going to be Jason Tatum. He will win an MVP before it's all said and done for me, Ben. I vote
3: yes I voted yes as well how is the yep. guy not going to win an MVP at a certain point in his NBA career will further yep. discussion by looking at the odds this year in
0: less than 55 seconds Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, Reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil